to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, and we had some great plans for today's show. Bishop was going to be here with two of our Hispanic deacons, but unfortunately, Bishop had some car trouble, and so he said, go ahead without me, and we're going to go ahead and do that with two of our Hispanic deacons. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself first, uh, name and what parish you're at, and maybe we'll eventually get into some of the story about you becoming a deacon and stuff like that, But then, and then we can uh, begin in prayer, but start with a little introduction. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Deacon Huberto Vasquez from St. Henry's Parish, recently assigned after my ordination. All right. Hi, my name is uh, Deacon Victor Sandoval, and I serve at St. Patrick's Church here in Fort Wayne, located at 2120 South Harrison Street. Okay, and... Usually we would uh, start with the Angelus or we've been doing a special prayer for the Advent, but maybe we could do a prayer in Spanish. Would you be willing to lead us in a Spanish prayer of some sort? Sure. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amen. Dios te salve María, llena eres de gracias. El Señor es contigo. Bendita tú eres entre todas las mujeres y bendito es el fruto de tu vientre Jesús. Santa María, Madre de Dios, ruega por nosotros pecadores, ahora y en la hora de nuestra muerte. Amén. Amén. En el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Great. And that was the Hail Mary in Spanish. Thank you. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Kyle talks with two Hispanic deacons from our diocese about their call and journey to the permanent Hispanic diaconate. Then it's on to special Mexican traditions for celebrating Our Lady of Guadalupe, whose feast day is today, and hear more about their all-Spanish show. For the full, uncut version of today's episode, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, or go to the Redeemer Radio app, which is also where you can find all of our past episodes, and submit a question for Bishop Rhodes to answer on a future show. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, but this time without Bishop Rhodes, he wasn't able to be here today. So instead we have Deacon Victor Sandoval from St. Patrick's Parish and Deacon Huberto Vasquez from St. Henry's Parish in Fort Wayne. How did I do on the names? Good. What close? close? <laughs> okay, good. You did better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you both were ordained as permanent deacons on June, along with nine other men. There was a, a class of 11 Hispanic deacons, first class of Hispanic permanent deacons for our diocese. I don't know how common this is amongst other dioceses. Do you guys have any idea? I have not here in any other diocese within the United States. Uh, for me, it's the first time I hear, and I was searching, and it's the first diocese. I don't know. It could be another diocese, but I was searching, and now this is the first Hispanic uh, uh, ordination generation in Spanish. Wow. And so we are very blessed by this call and by Bishop Kevin uh, invitation to this program. Yeah. And when did you first find out that there was going to be a class of Hispanic deacons? Was it before or after you thought about being a deacon? No, it was uh, an invitation over there at church. It was a deacon from Chicago okay. who came and, uh, as you know, did the invitation to everybody over there at church. There was a lot of guys there, you know, to see what it was like. Uh -huh. And that's what I heard about it. But it wasn't especially for somebody, you know, it was for everybody at church. And then after that, it was funny because Father too, you know, was our priest. 
he asked me if I want to, you know, join the program. I said, whoa. Well, I said, let me ask my wife because I didn't know uh-huh. what it was, you know. So I asked my <laughs> wife. I say, you know, Father too asked me if uh, I wanna be, you know, part of the deacon program. And I remember her words, you know, said, "A deacon, you?" <laughs> she just told me, "Please." <laughs> so I was. I said, "Well, maybe it's not for me." Yeah. Then Father too asked me again, second time, Victor, you think about it. What I told you, you know, if you wanna be part of the group. Uh-huh. And I say, I'm thinking about it, Father. Let me think about it a little bit more. Let me ask my wife. Say, yeah, because your wife has to make, you know, say they're okay. Uh-huh. So it happens three times. He asked me the third time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I say, Victor, what do you think about it, you know, what I told you? And he told me, say, what about if I just put your name? Maybe, you know, you're one of the ones that they choose, you know. So I said, okay, Father, put yeah. my name. Because I was thinking myself, I said, I'm not going to make it anyway. I don't think I can do it. So uh-huh. it was a big surprise for me. It was a long process. I told one thing, but God said something different. Yeah. You know, he is the one who makes the plans, and he's the one who decides who's going to make it. Yeah. It was my decision. I, I thought I was going to make it. My wife thought I wasn't going to make it. But God said, no, you're going to make it. So uh, why did you think that you weren't going to make it? Did you think that you just weren't going to have the time to do the formation? Did you think that the, the academic part of it was going to be too difficult? Or what did you think was going to hold you back? All things together, because I wasn't part of the church all the time. Huh. I joined the church because my wife, she was suffering from cancer. She had leukemia. Hmm. After she was, you know, clear when they said that, you know, you're, cancer-free, she started going to church more often. And uh, I was with her. Uh-huh. Before that, I wasn't a person of the church, you know. I wasn't a person to be all the time at church. Uh-huh. After my wife, you know, she got sick, I, when I started joining the church, more following her, thanking God, you know, for what he did for my wife. Because it was, when they found out about her cancer, they gave her only two weeks, you know, hmm. to live. But thanks God, you know, she survived. And after that, I started joining the church. And it was a, a process, a little bit. I started, you know, getting involved in church. Mm-hmm. First, I become a reader, you know, mm-hmm. lector. And then I become to get a little bit involved in activities in church. I started joining the prayer group with our, my brother Roberto, you know, he mm-hmm. was the director, you know, there. And uh, I started doing that, you know, a little bit at the time. And when uh, they asked me about the deacon, I didn't have a lot of story on the church. I didn't know much about church. Huh. I didn't know much about the Bible. So for me, I say, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Besides, I had some problems, and I say, my work, my kids. I say, no, I'm not going to make it. And then they ask us for, we have to get, you know, like a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my high school diploma. So I have to go to school to get my high school diploma too. Really? Then go into the classes and they have, you know, work, school, church, going to the deacon class, going to the high school classes. It was it was a little bit hard. Yeah. It was a little bit hard. Yeah. And you're bringing up work. Uh, for those that don't know, our permanent deacons, some of them are fully full-time employed by a parish and would be 
both doing their deacon ministry as well as maybe like running an RCIA program or something like that. But my understanding that the class of 11 Hispanic deacons, all of you are working regular secular jobs and then the work that you do for the church is on top of that. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. And so where do you work then? I work in Essex. Okay. I'm here in Fort Wayne. And uh, like I said, I work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. Uh-huh. Right now I've been working 50 hours a yeah. week. And then after work, I have to come home, take a shower real quick and go to church. We got a mass on Tuesdays, uh-huh. Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh-huh. So I'll be able to be there all the time. But uh, yeah, you have to, you know, kind of spend time with your family too. Sometimes it's a little bit hard. Yeah. But uh, it's something that you really enjoy. I like it. Uh-huh. I love it now. I love this, you know, to be in helping church in my church and helping, you know, my brothers uh-huh. and sisters. And do you have children also? Yes. I have a boy, uh-huh. son Victor, he's 21, uh-huh. and my daughter, Johanna, she's 18. Okay. So, yeah, they're, right now they're both in college. Uh-huh. One is, he wants to be a professor, my son. <laughs> my daughter, first, she wants to be a doctor, but now she's 18, now supposed to start with the boyfriend thing, now <laughs> she changed her mind, now she's going to be a nurse. Okay. So I don't know. You know, it's like a... I'm a, just a regular father uh-huh. who got tr- problems, you know, with their kids. Yeah. So I hope, you know, we're praying so she can, you know, keep going, be a doctor like she wants to be first. So what did your kids think whenever you said that you were going to become a, a permanent deacon? Oh, they didn't know <laughs> what it was exactly. Yeah. To be honest, I don't even knew what a deacon was. Right. I was kind of say, what a deacon is. I asked my wife about it. That's what she said. Your deacon, please. Yeah. But it was difficult. It was for them. They helped me a lot. They helped me because they helped me when the, I was taking, you know, the classes for the high school diploma. They were helping me how to do the work, you know. Okay. The hardest part was the, to like essays and then algebra. All that, you know, I said, wow, I finished school in 1977, 78. <laughs> I don't remember nothing. Yeah. And I started back again and most of the, other person, you know, were taking the classes were young guys. I was the oldest person and was another guy too. Yeah. But it was a little bit <laughs> hard, but it was fun. I finished it. So you're taking these high school classes in English. Yes. Meanwhile, you're taking the diaconate classes in Spanish. Yes. So so you're, I can't imagine how overwhelming that was in doing that in addition to a job right. and having a family. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I have to go from work, I have to go to school, you know, for yeah. high school. And sometimes I fall asleep, and the teacher, you know, kind of throw a pen <laughs> on me. I say, are you sleeping? No, yeah. I'm just thinking about something. Right, meditate. <laughs> meditate. that wisdom, yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, but, uh, yes, it was hard, but uh, like I said, you know, it was hard, but at the same time, it was a pleasure, because my kids were with me, helping me. Yeah. You know, and that was a good thing. Yeah. And that was uh, kind of, inspiring my kids too. Because, you know, I told them, say, don't give up. Right. When they have problems with one class or, don't give up. See, you guys help me out to survive. Yeah. You know, and you saw me. I graduate. <laughs> yeah. So now you have to do it. Because I graduate first and then my son and then my daughter, you know, from high school. Okay. And then I told them, now I graduate from college because I told them, you know, that about the deacon program. It's for me, it's a college. Yeah. Now you have to graduate from college. So right. that's kind of helping me help my kids so they can do it you don't give up 
for me, it's been good experience. It's hard, but it's been good. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear your story. We've been listening to Deacon Victor share about his story of joining the diaconate. But when we come back, I want to hear from Deacon Uberto about your experience with learning about the diaconate and going through the formation. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe and chat more with our deacons right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. Unfortunately, Bishop Rhodes was not able to be here today. He has some car troubles and told us to go ahead and continue the show. We were planning on doing it with two of our Hispanic deacons anyway, so they are here. We have Deacon Victor Sandoval from St. Patrick's Parish in Fort Wayne and Deacon Huberto Vasquez from St. Henry's Parish in Fort Wayne. And we were talking a lot about the journey of becoming a deacon, but... Deacon Uberto, we didn't hear much of your story. So when did you first hear that there was going to be a class of Hispanic deacons here in the diocese? Uh, same as uh, Deacon Victor. When we, we were at the same parish at St. Patrick. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, the invitation came because a deacon from Chicago was going to share his experience as a permanent deacon. Uh-huh. And a lot of uh, people joined families and Mary men to hear about it, and that's what we started here about the program. Just to go back a little bit on my story is uh, my wife and I, my kids, we came from Rhode Island, Providence to be specific. Okay. And before that, uh, I had friends that were permanent deacons, but I never thought in my mind that I will ever be joining the program anywhere in the, the United States. But when I heard that uh, experience from the diaconate from Chicago, it started to ring the bell a little bit, and I went home and I told my wife, and she said, well, if it's your call or your vacation, uh, let's pray about it. Mm-hmm. So it took a little bit and a little while to discern until uh, Father Two uh, also made me the invitation, and I accepted it. Of course, it was a lot of nervousness in me because I wasn't sure really what the program was or what it's all about, but uh, with prayers and uh, with the support of my wife and my kids, I joined the program, and it's, a, it's like you said, it's a journey. It's a, it's a starting to work in a different dimension, learning about the church and learning about serving. It is uh, 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 challenges because we also have to support our family with the regular work, plus, you know, the family, and then uh, dedicate time to the program. It's a lot of challenges, but uh, like my brother Victor said, when it's God calls and you let your uh, mind and soul led by the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will help us, you know, pass those um, burials, how we say. But that's how I started. Now, it, it took a uh, more challenge on my, son, on my side because I have uh, four kids, one 15 and the other 13, the other 12 and one four. <laughs> Back then, they were younger, so uh-huh. time to pick up from school was all different times because they all were involved in sports. Uh-huh. So I have to be one time with one and then other time with others. But all came to uh, be difficult at one point. So I, in the middle of the program, I was trying to decide whether I continue or stop because the family was, uh, you know, time-consuming at time. Yeah. But God gave me the strength, and uh, I switched job at that time, and this new job that I am in right now, it gave me more time to dedicate time to my classes and also to my family. So. I went and see the way of the Holy Spirit led in us to uh, be 
continuing in the in the program. Huh. So uh, I I thank God for that uh, wisdom or uh, for that decision to change in job. It wasn't easy, but uh, God gave me the strength. So uh, it is a challenge, but now the. For the glory of God, we have been ordained to serve the community, the the parish, uh, and it's a great joy to serve to serve God's people. Yeah. So, how long were you actually discerning entering the program? So, between the time that you heard about the diaconate program from Father, do you say Father Tui? Father Tui. And and then between that and when you actually said, "All right, I'm in. I'm going to give it a shot." It took me about six months to really make my final decision, even though I kind of like it, mm-hmm. but it was a big responsibility, and I knew that because I have small kids back then. Yeah. So uh, then we uh, sat down with my wife and said, are we in or not? You got this, the final call. I will do whatever you tell me to yeah. do. So she said, yes, go ahead. And, and then for me, it was like a little blessing, you know, continue, I'm with you. So that's when the final discernment to enter the program. So it's a joy for me because I felt like my wife was with me and along with my kids. And at that point, I mean, you're still discerning, right? It's just being a part of the program doesn't mean that you're going to become a deacon. So when things start getting rough and it's crazy and you need sports and work and kids and the diaconate program, it's getting hectic. You're like, I don't know if I can finish this. How did you know, like, yes, God is calling me to do this and I'm going to be able to balance everything somehow rather than saying, all right, this is not for me. I made a mistake back to things as normal. Exactly, and that's a very good question for me because even a day before of the nation, my heart was still pumping, beating heart. Yeah. Because uh, through the whole program, um, I was always asking for God's ways, if it was His will or it was my will. Uh-huh. So when I, we were assigned a spiritual director and also a mentor to help us out in the discernment. And that really helped us out because every day, every week, every month, every year, for us, for me especially, was a discernment. Because like you said, we were in the program, but nobody had the guarantee 100% that we were ordained. So praying and every time that uh, this question came to my mind, is it really my direction or is it just my intention, personal intention? Right. So that's when I decided to uh, surrender my whole will to God and say, if it's your will, let every door open. If uh-huh. it's my will, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it came. Like even a week uh, before ordination, every time we talked the ordination date, I got so nervous, my hands started sweating. Huh. But uh, like I said, it's a lot of the support for prayers for the community at St. Patrick back then, and my father, my mother, my wife, my kids, and a lot of people that always came to us and, and told us at that time, we're praying for you, we are with you, we're supporting you. Uh-huh. So that came as like a lot of fresh air to us to sure. continue, to keep it going. Because there were some times that they were hard, you know. But probably those were uh, times to really surrender ourselves to this part of the call that God wants us to be, you know. So it is, like I said, it's a joy. It's a, it's a jubilant joy. Yeah. And so then what kind of work do you do besides the diaconate? Um, right now, working at Parkview and Dahlia, I'm uh, in the lane and distribution for a company called Hospital Under Services. I work there full time. 
And then, of course, my other full time is at home, taking kids here and there and after right. school activities. But right. that's my full time outside the church. And then I served uh, St. Henry's, which uh, I like to mention that we don't have yet uh, any a program in Spanish right now I'm helping Father Dan with the English community until okay. we develop and uh, to work with the Hispanic with some programs coming along this uh, uh, new year coming up so right now your ministry is actually in English in English yes okay. yes. so the homilies he does it in, in English I share a little bit in Spanish but mainly all is in English okay yes. and Deacon Victor are you doing Spanish ministry or English ministry Spanish okay Spanish ministry because uh we're kind of busy at church. Uh-huh. Church, is, you know, we have a all the Spanish community. Uh-huh. Most, you know, so most of it's the Spanish. It's probably they, they've had a, an active at St. Patrick's an active Spanish ministry for yes. a while there. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. St. Patrick, you know, is the I think it's the number one here in Fort Wayne. Yeah, you know, with the more Hispanics. Yeah, and it's a lot. You know, people. You know, we got bautisms, quinceañeras, weddings. Yeah, we're pretty busy. Saturdays is kind of busy for us. Because we start in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. usually 10.30 is the baptisms, huh. which uh, I'm the one who's... <laughs> so how many baptisms usually are you doing? Uh, well, last Saturday I had three, uh-huh. sometimes nine, ten, I think the last... In a, in a day? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so sometimes we and have to do it together. And they're all in Spanish? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, and it's only in Spanish. Yeah. And then we have like, after baptisms, quinceañeras, uh-huh. summertime, it's a visit, you know, yeah. it's the time of the year. Because we got our quinceañera almost every Saturday, every two Saturdays. And then we have weddings on the top of that. So, yeah, we're pretty busy. And then on the afternoon, we have the mass. At 4.30 is the mass in English. And then at 6 o'clock is the mass in Spanish. Uh-huh. And then Sunday morning, we have the mass at 9.30. At 9 is the English. And then at 10.30, 10.45 is the Vietnamese. Okay. And then at 12.30 is the Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So we got three communities, and right. uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty pretty nice because uh, it was funny. One time I was serving in the Vietnamese community, but Father Two told me, "Say, you know, I want you to come with the Vietnamese community so you can they know you." Uh-huh. So he gave me some, you know, some words in Vietnamese so okay. I can learn, can practice, right? <laughs> You're right. And then it was funny because at the end, uh, Vietnamese guy came to me and said, "You know what? Say, uh, what? <laughs> Say, I understand." Everything you say in Vietnamese, but I understand nothing about what you say in English. <laughs> I say, okay, next time I'll try to speak a little bit slower. So, but that was, it's, it's fine, you know, it's good because you get along with all the three communities. Yeah. So that for me, it's a real good. It's a big blessing because all three communities, you know, trying to get with me, you know, and they invite me to their, when they have, Something, you know, like the New Year's, Lunar Year, uh-huh. last Saturday, they had an activity to raise money for our church. So we're working together as a three communities. And that's a blessing. You know, it's, it's, it's for me, it's a real present. Uh-huh. You know, I really love it. But what percentage would you say is in Spanish that you're doing? I do almost everything in Spanish. Almost everything. Almost everything. Versus Deacon Huberto, you're doing everything in English right now. It, Yes. But that, that's soon going to change. Uh, right. And once in a while, we have a baptism that a Hispanic community brings a uh, child to baptize, and that'll be one sacrament every month, uh, probably. It's very uh, not too busy parish so far, uh, but that's what we're working with Father Dan to 
to work with the community. And a lot of them, probably they don't know that I'm assigned there yet. So we're trying to spread the word, you know. Uh-huh. We have services uh, that now that Bishop assigned me there that can be done in Spanish. So it'll, and I know it'll go along. And yeah. um, we're waiting to serve the parish, serve the community. We are surrounded uh, in the southern part of Fort Wayne, also by a community of Burmeses. Mm-hmm. So our invitation is also for them. Okay. A, a small portion of them, there are Christians, non-Catholic, but some of them are starting to hear about the Catholic faith from what I heard, and they started to come along. So our invitation goes to them, and I take this opportunity to to uh, come to the church, St. Henry's, and to join the, this great faith that yeah. we, we have. What about in the workplace? Do the people that you work with know that you're a Catholic deacon? Yes. Uh, well, uh, they knew at the beginning with my previous job because we were oftentimes asking for permission to live early because we had the class. <laughs> yeah. So we had to tell them, you know, we are in this program. And uh, when I left the, uh, my previous job, uh, and then I, when I joined the new one, that's the first thing I told my supervisor that just in case I needed a day out or some hours because the time was getting closer. They were asking us to have retreats that we needed more time for, for the retreats. So I told my supervisor that I was in this program. Not too much about the other fellow co-workers, but my supervisor knew. But they always saw me with books and notebooks, and I'm sure they have some question about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so, so they kind of had an expectation that... Uh, because were you studying at work? Yes, when I, in my free time, I had my computer, my writings, my books, and uh, I was pretty much um, 80% of my homework and my free time, I did it at work because I had some uh, free times back then. Uh-huh. Yes. Deacon Victor, what about you? I can do that. I don't have that pleasure. No. I'm a machine operator. Right. So I have to be 100% because it's all nice, you know, late, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if I fall asleep a little bit, well, sometimes when I'm a little bit away, I can, you know, relax a little bit. Uh But I have to be 100%, you know, kind of on a machine. Right. Sometimes, you know, I have, you know, some work that takes a long time, you know, to be done. But uh, no, I cannot do that. I, I don't have that opportunity to do that, you know. What work. about did the did your coworkers know that you were going through the diaconate program, or did they know that some you're them, a Catholic deacon? Some of them. You wear wear a, a special cross. I, I you wear that this. at work. I just bought this today. Oh, you just bought it today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just was taking advantage. Saying, "Well, I'm going to be here, so I'm going to buy it because they, we're supposed to get this." Uh huh. You know, so they sent us an email a long time ago. Uh-huh. And I, I said, I'm going to stop today. And I never stop. And today that I was here, I said, might as well get it. And I was the only one, so that's a good thing. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm going It's do. a cross with a stole? Stole. Yes. A, like at an angle, like the deacon wears yes. at a mass. So it's a special, do they have a name for that cross? Is it like a diaconate cross or something? Yes, yes okay. especially for diaconate. Okay. So. For those that don't know, that is one way that you can tell the difference between a priest and a deacon at mass. If you can see the stole, sometimes you would wear vestments over the top yes. of the stole, right? Yeah. But the Maddox for deacons and uh, the priests are called different. The, yeah. the, the casuya, it's Spanish. <laughs> 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 but then that's what, what the stole comes across the chest with the heart is, and that's the difference between the deacons and the priests. It's 
both sides, uh-huh. left and right. All right. Well, I have so many more questions, and we still haven't talked about Our Lady of Guadalupe, which feast day is today, and so we'll talk about that here with our, our deacons. And a reminder, too, if you have any questions for a future episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, you can ask them by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we'll talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe and some special Hispanic traditions and more on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity. Bishop Rhodes wasn't able to be here today. He had some car troubles, but I'm Kyle Hyman, and we've got our two of our Hispanic deacons. We were planning on having you here anyway, because today is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, a very popular feast day, not just for Hispanics, but especially for Hispanics, because the apparition did take place in Mexico. So joining us, we have Deacon Victor Sandoval from St. Patrick's Parish in Fort Wayne. We have Deacon Huberto Vasquez from St. Henry's Parish, and... Would you mind explaining to us the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe and and then maybe we can kind of get into some of the the celebrations that we have here in the diocese? Yes, uh, this, like you said, this is not only the feast for Mexicans, but it's a great feast for the whole church. Mother Mary and the advocation of Guadalupe appears in 1531. December 9th to Juan Diego, Uh now St. Juan Diego. And since then, you know, every year the church now celebrates every 12th the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And for uh, the Mexican tradition, it's a big, big feast. And then we have big celebrations. And today is the day that we have the Mañanitas at 12 uh, midnight uh, last night does uh, Mayanitas for the Virgin, and also the great tradition that comes along with the feast, uh, talking about food, tamales, and all this uh-huh. uh, comes to, for, for the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's a, it's a great celebration that uh, the church gives us to uh, commemorate, to celebrate, more also to uh, come alive this feast for, for all of us. And you say Mayanitas? Mayanitas. What is that? And St. Patrick's Church. Uh huh. We'll start at 4.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. We'll start with the rosary. Okay. Okay. Then at 5 o'clock in the morning, we start with the mañanitas. What I mean, you know, we start singing for okay. our mother. Okay. Okay. So it's uh, different groups or singers, you know, start singing to the to our mother uh-huh. for one hour. And then before 6, like a 10 minutes before, we start like a little representation of what happened uh-huh. when the, our mother, you know, appeared to Juan Diego. Like people acting it out? Yes. Okay. Yes, we acting over the church. And then after that, we have the Mass. Acceleration of Mass. Mm-hmm. After Mass, we go to the Lyceum. We have some hot chocolate, uh-huh. bread, sweet bread. We got tamales, uh-huh. pozole, champurrado. People donate. Yeah. That day, a lot of people donate food. <laughs> That's a tradition in Mexico. Right now, you know, in Mexico City, that day, it's a lot of people who donate their time, mm-hmm. their food, their talent. They give thanks to her mother for some miracle that she did for some of the family members for them. When I was there, I saw the people, you know, their knees, you know, bleeding hmm. towards, you know, the, the villa, what they call, you know, the Basilica de Guadalupe. Uh-huh. And for me, I say, why they do that for? Because, you know, they were bleeding and people were helping them, you know, say, okay, I'm gonna continue your journey so you can take a break. Mm-hmm. So the person start, you know, 
with their knees working towards church. Uh-huh. And the other person can take a break or they're healed. You know, they kind of put something on their knees because uh-huh. they were bleeding. So it's, it's real strong. Yeah. In Mexico, this day is a special day. Yeah. You know, Our Lady, you know, Guadalupe changed the whole country. Uh-huh. When she appeared this day, you know, in, 19, in 1531, she changed the whole country, you know, Mexico. Yeah, because before that, Catholicism was probably pretty rare, and now it is definitely the majority of, of people in Mexico are, are Catholic, or at least would say that they're Catholic. It depends on how different people practice it. Uh, have you been to Our Lady of Guadalupe? Uh, yes, um, I was just there this past summer with my wife and my kids, my whole family. Uh-huh. For me, uh, taking my kids over there was a, a big experience. I was there before, but this time I took my kids and my wife and I uh, tried to explain because they they heard about it every 12 of December, Our Lady sure. Guadalupe, yeah. and then, but now going to the real place where it appears as a father, it was a great joy, and for them it was a great learning experience. Uh-huh. It's a place where a lot of uh, memories come because you think about eight, uh, 1531 and plus every year, plus all these things going on in Mexico, but also for us to come here to the United States and bring our traditions and our faith. So they went and see the place where the apparition uh, took place. It was a, a great moment for them and a, a touching moment for me because they were at the place that they, you know, our faith got more stronger as a, right. as, a, as a Catholic and also as a, um, people from Mexico, like you said, you know, after the apparition, the Christianity came more stronger plus because the Mother Mary of Navigation of Guadalupe, it came uh, to fulfill that uh, uh, call to become Christians. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great joy. And for, like I said, it's a great uh, touching moment for me. Yeah. But, uh, when you ask a little, and going back to your question about the mañanitas, and it's it's like singing the happy birthday, but in um, uh, Spanish tradition, Mexican tradition. So it's uh, what everybody's get together and you know, and that's what basically it is. It's singing with joy. This is the day of your birthday, basically. And that's what we, we sing. Huh. That, yeah, that's what the mañanitas are. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I want to shift a little bit into some of the Advent traditions as we are celebrating in the middle of Advent right now. What are some of the things that uh, the Hispanic community might do differently than what we might be used to at, at our parishes? Like our, our church, we started seven, like doing the rosary uh-huh. this time, right? The celebration for the Spanish community, mostly like piñatas, Posadas. Yeah. You know, the posadas, we call like the posadas. We go to pray the rosary. And then our, that tradition is you break a piñata with candies inside. Okay. And then at the end of that, you give it to the kids a gift, a bag with candies. And then we have some, they got some food. You know, like, like I said, you know, the tradition is like tamales, pozole, mm-hmm. buñuelos. And uh, what's the ponche? Ponche is a drink where, you know, they put fruit, okay, like a tea. But they put fruit there, oh, okay. different kind of fruits, uh-huh. and then boil it together, and then you know mix with sugar. It's like a tea. Yeah, yeah. So it's a kind of tradition for us. So this like season, a, like a punch. Yes, or exactly. A, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And this is with posadas. Yes. Okay. All posadas, posadas. Yeah. And is posadas the the one where you go door to door knocking? Yes. Okay. Can you explain that tradition? Yeah. Well, supposed to be here. 
it's difficult, you know. Not too many. We don't do. We only do it once at church. You know, okay. we don't do it every day. But in Mexico, each family kind of you know put their names on it. I want to be part of it. Uh-huh. So each family, you know, when they start the month, they start going to the door knock, and then they got the pastores start singing there, and then they feed everybody. They give the food to everybody who show up. Uh-huh. You know, and then the next day is another house. And the next day is another house. Uh-huh. So it's kind of nice, you know. This season, Mexico, you really enjoy it. It's real nice. It's yeah. Real nice. Yes, you know, it's a tradition is pretty good. That way, you know, it's a lot of happiness. The kids are more happy because they got candies every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it uh, also part of the tradition that has to do with the knocking on the inn and being refused, like Jesus or Mary and Joseph being refused at all of these different locations. It's kind of a, a twist on that and that people are welcoming. Yes, there is a uh, teaching behind that tradition because uh-huh. it's uh, nine days before Christmas. It's a novena that starts with uh, uh, all prayers and, and songs that talk about the knocking on the doors, how Jesus, you know, yeah. mo- well, Joseph and Mary were knocking on the doors, uh, trying to ask for, um, to stay for one night, and then nobody opened the door until the very last day when Jesus was going to burn from uh, at the uh, manger. Uh-huh. But then that tradition comes from that teaching, from that uh, part of the Bible. So, well, we make everything a feast in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> so now that's a novena that, that, uh, that starts nine days before Christmas. Okay. And that is, that's the purpose uh, behind all these uh, festivities. Of yeah. course, everything, like Victor said, with uh, uh, a feast, uh, then uh, after prayers and after singing, then we uh, get together and share some food and uh, traditions, uh, traditional food at, at that moment. Yes. Yeah. So is any of these activities things that people could go to? Like a general public that wants to yes. be a part of it and say, yes. oh man, that sounds like so fun. I want to yes. go. Yes, more than welcome. Okay. St. Patrick is, uh, well, uh, they have a date for this year. At St. Henry, we, we still don't have it yet, but I'm sure with the years to come, we're going to start doing so. But it's good also to invite everyone that wants to join, not only, uh, um, like, uh, but also to know more of the tradition, the, yeah. the, the tradition, how we celebrate this part of the fest, uh, festivities that uh-huh. we have. Yeah, yeah. St. Patrick, you know, we got different priests. They're going to go there because they, they show up last year, a couple of them, and now it's going to be more. Uh-huh. They want to be part of that feast. It's a five o'clock in the morning, but they they, yeah. they went there. Yeah. So they want to be part of it. And it's a lot of English, you know, people that go there. Yeah. It's, they go to Spanish mass, and you see them, they, they understand. I don't know if they understand right. or not, but, you know, they they want to be part of it. So that's why I was, yeah, you don't have to be able to speak Spanish no. to still participate in and enjoy the celebration. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. Yeah. We already take the day off. <laughs> so, so what, that's good. What about Christmas itself? Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, anything different that you might be doing? Well, yes. Um, you know, Advent is a time, a moment of... Um, uh, penance also, right? But it's a lot of festivities also uh, in the liturgical part of the church. We have a lot of uh, celebrations uh, in, within this uh, Advent season. But Christmas is also a big feast for uh, for the Hispanic community. So along with the posadas, it's also getting uh, waiting for that date of Christmas because uh, a lot of the families uh, everywhere in the world, uh, you know, get together. Mm-hmm. But for the for the um, 
I'm going to talk about the Mexican specific. It's the time where uh, the whole family get together, and and that's when the part of uh, Mexican traditions, all the foods, uh, typical foods. Well, you know, probably one uh, once a year we 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 try this food because it's only the, for this special moment. So it's it's a big day, and and we're waiting for that moment. To yeah, come. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of jumping the gun a little bit and looking ahead, but I know another thing that's a little bit unique with how the Hispanic culture celebrates one of the feast days is the three kings or the wise men or the epiphany. Los Santos Reyes. Yeah. What, what, how would you describe that celebration? Los Reyes Magos. Uh-huh. That's what we call it, you know. Los Reyes Magos. January 6th. All the kids were waiting for that day. It's like a Christmas day. Yeah. Okay? Like the United States. I wish people Christmas. could see how big your smile is right now talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when you were a kid, you know, you, you, you were waiting for that moment. Uh-huh. You know, I was real poor. You know, when I was a kid, uh-huh. I was real poor. And I remember one time that I didn't sleep all night waiting for the kings, you know, to come and leave me yeah. a present. Well, my mom, you know, we were so poor that she only leave us like a little bag with uh, cookies. Uh-huh. You know, and I said, he didn't bring me nothing, you know. And then one time, you know, I wait all night, and I saw what's her, and I said, wow, so it's not Reyes Magos. Uh-huh. And then, I, you know, I realized, you know, why I didn't have, you know, presents like my friends or another, you know, my family members. They got little cars or football, you know, balls and different toys. And I was, you still, you know, play together because when you were a kid, you know, you share, you know, your toys. Yeah. For me, you know, it was a little bit sad. Because I wanted to have a toy, you know, like everybody, but I didn't have it. Uh, I think my first toy that I had it was they gave us a school, hmm. an elementary school. They come one day, you know, one person donated, you know, I think it was the government, some donated, you know, the toys yeah. for all the kids. And I have a little Jeep car, you know, and we loaded with the uh, rocks uh-huh. or something, you know. Said so I remember, you know, we're talking with some of my friends sometimes. They would say, "Remember our toys." We're trying to tell our kids. Uh-huh. We used to take our warache, you know, our shoes, you know, old shoes, okay. and tie it with rope and pull it. And that was our car. Your you shoe know? is your car. Yeah, the old, old shoes. shoes you yeah. know, old shoe, that was our car. Yeah. That, was, that was our toys. Yeah. So and now we tell our kids that, and they don't believe us that. We think, they think that we're telling a story. Right. But I say, no, that was the reality. That's the way we live. Because uh-huh. we didn't have, you know, shoes. You know, sometimes we didn't have shoes to wear. I was barefoot. Sometimes you got a stick in your foot, you know, on the bottom of your foot, you just wrap it, you know, in the rock, and that was it. You keep going. Yeah. Or we played without shoes. Uh, for me, I think I remember my first pair of tennis shoes, I think I was like a 16 or 17 hmm. when I had my first pair of tennis shoes. So well, it's hard. You know, I told my kids right now how many pair of tennis shoes they had. Yeah. And I said, well, you have to kind of appreciate what you have. Yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't have all that. So it's joyful, you know, to remember, you know, the good memories. Yeah. Even if I was poor, I still like, you know, those memories. I love those, you know. So I was with my family. We were together. You know what I mean? We didn't have a lot, but everything we had, I was so happy. You know, I was, everything, you know, was love, you know, around. We shared every little thing we have, we shared that. Yeah. Because we don't even have clothes. <laughs> you know, sometimes people donate clothes to us. Right. Because we didn't have clothes. That was the truth. I said, so you were that poor? I said, yeah, I was poor. I was really poor. So, you know, now, you know, become, you know, thanks God. Now I have clothes, I have shoes, and I'm a deacon. What else I can ask God for? Yeah. I'm a permanent deacon. A dream that I never thought I could reach. You know, that was, this is a dream for me. 
yeah. serious because I never thought, you know, become that. Even my family, a lot of my family don't even know what deacon is. A lot of my family, they're not even close to church. So that's what I think God got something special for, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he chose me to be part of his, you know, team. Because my family, they need somebody, you know, to kind of help them out a little bit. It's difficult. Yes, it is difficult. Because sometimes, you know, even the Bible said, you know, the ones that don't listen to you is the ones close to you. But it's a challenge. But it's a challenge, but uh, I, won't, I won't give up. Yeah. That's one thing my father showed me. Never give up. Never give up. You know, always try. Try to do your best. Uh-huh. And that's what I always do. Try to do my best. Try to do my best and don't give up. Yeah. That's a good thing. Well, such an amazing story, and I want to talk about the radio show that you guys started, which I imagine has many more of these stories, and so we'll talk about that with our deacons here. We have Deacon Victor Sandoval and Deacon Uberto Vasquez, and we'll talk with them more. If you have any questions for a future episode of Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, you could go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, or call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9500. 98. And coming up, we've got more, including we'll talk about this Spanish language radio coming up right here on Truth and Charity, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity. Bishop Rhodes wasn't able to make it today, but we have two of our Hispanic deacons here, Deacon Victor Sandoval and Deacon Huberto Vasquez. And we've been talking a lot about your story, how you became deacons, some of the different celebrations that are happening in the Hispanic community. Uh, But really exciting. You guys have a show that's all in Spanish on La Unica radio. So how did that start? Yes, uh, a year or two ago, um, well, three years ago to be specific, the manager of the radio called me to ask me if I had plans to start something about the church and his hours and to offer it for us to promote the faith. So huh. that's when we started talking about it, but it was little steps until we got together and finally he said you know what we have saturdays from eight to nine and sundays eight to nine if you want to start something to air it in the morning you can do it alive or you can record it before that and that's when we started to think about it okay now this is going to be a good opportunity to evangelize and to reach out for those that are not around here for those that couldn't make it because there are and and, you know sometimes people is in jail or some other situations so that's how Hmm. this uh, uh, radio opened the doors for us the 102.3 FM La Unica and the managers back then they helped us a lot now uh, it's it's a program that is, is to promote the faith to evangelize and to uh, to reach out for those that are you know out there waiting for the faith and to like I said to help to grow more in the faith so my brother Victor and also a, a big group of people that support us that is giving us good support Max Ortega, he's uh, right now helping us lead and uh, direct this program. And he's really, really coming along well because there is a lot of feedbacks that they want to hear more and more. Huh. It's, it's a great opportunity and it's a blessing. It's a blessing because it's the door the Holy Spirit is opening for us to reach out to all these people that they want to hear more about the Catholic faith. Yeah. 
You mentioned that was on 102.3 FM, which is in Fort Wayne, Northeast Indiana, I, I think even a little bit of Ohio and Michigan. Uh, but for people that might not be in that listening area, is there a way to listen online? Yes, there is a, a, an app with the same name, La Unica. Uh-huh. They can download it and they can uh, search it online and they can, anywhere in the world, they can uh, uh, listen to it alive. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing for us and then we encourage all the people that are listening right now to keep praying for us and to keep uh, praying for the program that it continues growing and growing and it's uh, an opportunity for us a Catholic to evangelize to promote our faith and to uh, support us with their prayers also yeah well it's so cool and I wish we had more time to talk more about that show but people can definitely go and listen to it could I maybe ask you to uh, just briefly summarize what we've been talking about today in Spanish, just I think for those that don't speak Spanish, I think it'd be fun to listen to and interesting. But anybody that's listening in Spanish, maybe get a little summary of today's discussion in Spanish. Bueno, hoy estuvimos hablando un poquito acerca de nuestra madre, la Virgen de Guadalupe. También estuvimos hablando un poco acerca de la tradición, de la tradición que nosotros llevamos ya por mucho tiempo y cómo la llevamos a cabo en este tiempo de Navidad. También hablamos un poco acerca de la estación de radio que nos abrió las puertas para nosotros continuar con esta evangelización. Hablamos un poco también de cómo fue nuestro reto en el caminar para el diaconado, para el diácono permanente. Estuvimos hablando un poco de todo hoy. Fue algo muy especial, algo que voy a recordar toda mi vida. Así que muchas gracias a todos ustedes y Dios los bendiga. Es una experiencia profunda, hermosa, para todos los que nos están escuchando en este momento. Es un júbilo compartir con ustedes desde este programa de la diócesis que invita a escuchar no solamente hoy, sino siempre para crecer en la fe. Es un compartir de la fe profunda que hemos recibido de la iglesia para compartir con todos ustedes. Que Dios siempre les bendiga. Y gracias a los dos de ustedes. Los diáconos. <laughs> sí. Gracias, Kyle. Oh, man, this is so great. I wish we had more time, but thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for sharing your faith with us. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Kyle. Thank you for the opportunity. To hear the uncut version of today's show, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop or go to the Redeemer Radio app. Join us next week for another new episode of Truth and Charity. Kyle and Bishop Rhodes will discuss the meaning and wonder behind the birth of Jesus Christ. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. <laughs>